Hey, you. Yeah, you ain't doing nothing. You know why? Because it's Tuesday. Nobody's doing anything on a Tuesday night, except for Echoplex Media and Local Love. Local Love is a San Jose and greater San Francisco Bay Area independent music podcast showcasing local bands, comedians, and artists for the last seven years. Every show is packed with local music, upcoming shows and gigs, plus live performances and interviews with local artists. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Check out our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Read it to the lyrics, so let the parties will quench your thirst. As long as you remember 
right, everybody. Welcome to the Plex. Welcome podcast listeners. We usually do this show from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific and beyond into red light. But today at 6.30 p.m. here in the fine city of San Jose, California, the ambient temperature in this studio was still approaching 100 degrees. So we pushed the show back tonight. We started at 9, and it's just going to go till whenever it goes. Um, uh, you can find me on Grinder. I'm producer Dave, and uh, this is what the people want. I don't hate the cops. And there's a person inside when the truncheon stops. Oh, don't hate the cops. Oh, when the raiders come, who will protect the shops? Don't hate the cops. They're a sensitive bunch. If you don't stop throwing your rocks, snap, crackle, pop. It's the sound of a taser. Your body drops. Don't hate the cops. Oh, don't hate the cops. Don't hate the cops. Cause they don't do nothing wrong Like your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops story tonight is well a bunch of stories actually the uh right-wing media sphere is still talking a bunch of dumb shit about the uh, search warrant that was served at trump's mar-a-lago residence and here is the first example of that apparently it was to distract from gas prices 
And the timing of this, when we have 40-year high inflation, when we have the highest gas prices that Americans have seen during this administration, when we have an open southern border with all of mm -hmm. the crises that have happened during this administration, they needed a little bit of a distraction. And this was prime opportunity for this administration to pounce on President Trump, make it about this raid rather than about the own problems they have manufactured in the last two years. Senator. So there was no raid. It was a search warrant was served. A raid looks very different than what happened there. <clears throat> but also like this idea that like if some other shit's going on that the DOJ shouldn't enforce the law or whatever. Like I've never understood that. Never understood that at all. Maybe I'm just a simple person who thinks if we're going to have like a, a law and order state of some kind that it should just always be operating in much the same way as it was the day before. Assuming it's operating well or fairly. Anyway, next up we have uh, other people are going to talk about the Presidential Records Act. I don't know very much about the Presidential Records Act, and I don't think that the people we're going to be watching talk about the Presidential Records Act do either. Uh, she would consider having a special master come in and then the DOJ jumped in quickly and said well we've already been through all the documents and we've already allocated which ones fall under the attorney-client privilege uh, so sort of no need for the special master we've already done that you know that categorizing what, what do you say to that Right. Well, they're, they're incredibly efficient sometimes. It's odd. Uh, and look, they obviously moved very fast on this. They had an opportunity to use the unilaterally imposed filter team. You know, we didn't have a voice on how they set up a filter team. And now they are trying to suggest with this pleading, like, Judge, don't be surprised that we've already taken care of all this. Nothing to see here. Well, we're not in a position where we can really have a lot of faith in that. We still need judicial intervention. We need a judge to monitor our access to these documents. We haven't had a single phone call from the filter team telling us anything. This is the first knowledge we had about their findings on attorney-client privilege. They've decided to ignore the concept of executive privilege, which is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, they're ignoring... I think the executive privilege only applies to the executive branch that's currently uh, in power. The I don't think you can uh, invoke it after you're done. Incredibly important overlay for all of this. So we have a lot of problems really accepting everything at face value that's coming out of DOJ these days. It's a very politicized place, I'm sad to say. Mm. And uh, there's still a need for a judge to get involved on, on every aspect of this, checking their, their assertions of privilege, but also giving us fair, timely access, letting us build a case for why this search warrant was not only essentially morally wrong, but legally wrong. Mm. Okay, well, like, they don't have to do any of that yet. There's, I don't think anybody's been charged with a crime yet. So, like, discovery happens, like, a long time after somebody's charged with a crime. Like, this guy is, <clears throat> I'm assuming he's an attorney, so he's probably just lying about the nature of the process. Because you don't just get discovery as soon as the place is searched. And that's sort of what he's suggesting should happen here. He also mentioned executive privilege. I don't even like the idea that the president or the president's office can invoke executive privilege and then not answer questions in front of Congress. I think that's sort of um, sort of contrary to sort of the separation of powers act and the idea that we have checks and balances in the government. But that's not that's neither here nor there. That's a that's a discussion for another day. But I think everything this guy said was wrong. Like, I don't think you can invoke executive privilege w when you're no longer in office. 
And I don't think executive privilege extends to like stealing classified documents on your way out the fucking door when the next guy's coming in. I'm not a law expert, but I would hope it doesn't extend to that because that that's, you know, not great. Not great. Up next, we got Alan Dershowitz. He's like, he's like, everybody's going to fucking get dershed if they fucking deal with Trump. Even Alan Dershowitz knows that Trump is toxic. His team, or do you share concerns about the I, caliber of his legal team? I share concerns. Look, I'm not going to second guess a lawyer. There are some very good lawyers. I can tell you that six lawyers so far have called me and have said, we will not defend Trump, even though we'd like to, because of what happened to you, Alan Dershowitz, because you have been canceled. You can't speak at various places. You can't speak in your own library. Uh, people won't speak to you. Uh, people are furious at you. Uh, I had a lawyer say to me, I just don't want to be Dershowitz. Uh, I've become a verb. And there was a deliberate attempt to try to cancel me because I defended President Trump in order to send a message, and it's been successful, to other lawyers not to go near the case. It's pure, pure McCarthyism of the left, and it should not be tolerated or accepted. That's why I wrote my book, The Price of Principle. Yeah, none of these lawyers want to take this case because, first of all, there's no case, right? There's nobody's been charged with a crime. So I don't even, like, what are the lawyers doing? What are his lawyers doing? They're just going on TV, actually, as far as I can tell. We're going to see a little of that in a minute. But until you're charged with a crime, I don't even think, I mean, you might want to get legal representation if you were in his position. I would suggest that one would if you know you're under investigation. Not the worst idea to get lawyers. But if other lawyers don't want to get involved in this shit because they, they're like, oh, we saw what happened to you. Um, I mean, Dershowitz wasn't just the guy's lawyer. He was like his pal and shit, too. So it, it's not just like he was like a disinterested party um, offering Trump legal representation as folks are entitled to under the Constitution. Um, he was his pal, his buddy, his pal. And so that's like a different scenario. I don't know why you'd want to be Trump's friend. I'm having to say Ivanka's a 10 all the time. Here we go. We got Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan probably is familiar with seeking a legal, legal protection himself. Um, <clears throat> he's going to talk about the inspector general providing oversight over the DOJ or whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll get it from this guy's mouth here. Whistleblowers come to us and talk about the political pressure they're under. And now we see that it may be in the inspector general's office. By statute, the inspector general is supposed to provide independent oversight of the Justice Department. Well, how can you do that if you're participating in an investigation? Sean, understand what happened here. The FBI came to the inspector general and said, we're going we're gonna to take the phone of a sitting member of Congress. We're going to take his phone one day after we have raided President Trump's home, and we're going to do it while Congressman Perry is on vacation with his family. The inspector general should have said to them, are you freaking out of your mind? This has got all kinds of constitutional concerns. You should not do it. But if you do, we will not participate. I was on the phone. Instead, he said, go ahead and do it and we'll image the phone. That is frightening because they're supposed to be providing the independent oversight of the Justice Department. So, yeah, there's po politics at the DOJ. There's certainly politics at the FBI, as evidenced by all the whistleblowers, almost 20 that have come to the three respective offices. But now we have to have concerns about the inspector general as well. Either everyone's out to get you. <laughs> and there's a grand conspiracy to, you know, tar and feather you. Or 
the shit was bad and the weight of the government is coming down on you because the shit was bad. I think it's probably the second one. I don't think the inspector general is, maybe the inspector general kind of looked over everything the FBI was going to do. And they're like, yeah, that all seems to be reasonable. Where do I sign? This guy doesn't know. We don't know. I don't even know if he, I don't even know what the fuck the inspector general does. I don't even think Jim Jordan does either. Like, I think these people are just there. They're just like repeating some shit they heard somewhere else. I, I don't know anything about the Trump thing because we're not going to know anything right away because nobody's been charged with a crime. And if he's never charged with a crime, then we're probably never going to fucking know. It'll be years and years and years and years and years and years and years until we're able to like FOIA that stuff and it'll all be redacted. So, uh, this next clip, um, it's childish that I, I decided to use it, but whatever we can be childish sometimes around here. This is, uh, Melania Trump's drawers are in complete disarray. Not from Donald, though. Successful in their attempt to interfere in an election and sway people's vote. And that is exactly what happened. That was then. And now you can see that their tactics have become even bolder. They've become emboldened, I think, while the Democrats have been in power. Obviously, the latest example is rifling through Melania's closet and drawers, which I hear they left in complete disarray. Everybody, Donald ain't never left Melania's drawers in complete disarray, but the fucking FBI sure did. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't even know. I don't even know. Here we go. It could be, actually, everybody. Maybe we've got this all wrong. Trump's just writing a memoir. To enforce whatever they were trying to do, I understand uh, that that former presidents, former secretary of states, may very well have classified information. He may be writing a memoir. He may be writing uh, an autobiography. Uh, and no, actually, when you quit those jobs, you don't just get to take classified information with you. Like when they you retire at like some big company and they give you a fucking watch. When you retire from the CIA or the FBI or some shit, they don't just give you an eyes-only packet to take with you. What the fuck? The fact that he had documents in and of itself isn't a concern. How he treated those documents um, and what negotiations occurred with the archivist, we just don't know at this point. No, no. My understanding is that they kept asking for the back and he like just wasn't responding. So there wasn't really much negotiation going on there. They tried to just let him give the shit back. He wouldn't give the shit back. And then they looked at the stuff from what I can tell. And they were like, oh, whoa, we didn't know this was here. (laughs) They were like, oh, they're like empty file, empty, empty, like envelopes that appear to have once contained classified information. Like, where did the documents that were once in those envelopes go? Did he just shred them? Did he frame them? Are they on his wall somewhere? I bet he framed some of that shit. He's weird. Anyway, here's Bill Barr. Bill Barr is trying to get the stink of Trump off of him real bad. And I don't think he's ever going to do it because he was complicit in so much of what Trump was doing right up until the point where he was like, well, I guess I kind of got to not do this one. And then he resigned. So here's Bill Barr trying to get the stink of Trump off of him. The answer to that is. I personally think for them to have taken things to the current point, they probably have pretty good evidence. But that's speculation. And until we see that, it's hard to say. Now, let me just say, 
Uh, I think the driver on this from the beginning was, the, was you know, loads of classified information sitting in Mar-a-Lago. People say this was unprecedented. Well, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all this classified information and put him in a country club. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, I don't like that slime ball, but that's a pretty fun. That's a pretty. I wonder if he practiced that. I wonder if he practiced that line before he was like, I got to I got to deliver this line. As long as the government going to uh, try to get that back, you know, they jawbone for a year. They were deceived on the voluntary uh, actions taken. Uh, they then went and got a subpoena. They were deceived on that. Uh, they feel. And the record, the facts are starting to show that they were being jerked around. And, and so how long, you know, how long do they wait uh, to the control room? I want to go. I mean, this, yeah, this guy like rats from a sinking ship, right? This guy, he didn't like when he left to, he could have stood tall and been like, here's why I'm resigning. I'm resigning because of these reasons. And you need to remove the president from office. I have to resign. He didn't do none of that. He didn't go, he didn't go stand tall. He didn't go, he didn't go make no speeches or do the rounds on the fucking, lo on the Sunday shows to explain exactly what he was doing. And so now he's just trying to shoe polish his reputation a little bit after it done been fucked up. Here's a, <laughs> here's Charlie Kirk with uh, Trump's attorney. And they're going to talk about just, you know, a little bit of, what's a little bit of mundane espionage among friends. And they say themselves in these papers that they filed that this is under the Presidential Records Act. So what they did was to try and criminalize Donald Trump, as they always do. They found these three mundane statutes, espionage and the two others, obstruction. And they're trying to claim that there was some sort of criminal activity. But their papers say it's under the Presidential Records Act. So your admission mm -hmm. is the power that we've all been saying he does have. So you can take a picture of top secret documents, Charlie, and show the world uh, a label. But if they're declassified, as he has the right to do, then he has the right to have them. And he would, was working <laughs> together with NARA, as we know. Um, and that back and forth could have been done at a table, as they had been doing for months prior. Or that didn't happen. Because there's like, there's, I mean, de declassified documents, there's gotta be some fucking paperwork or something you do. I'm not a declassification expert, but I figure you gotta fill out a form. If I gotta fill out a form at the DMV to change my address on my ID, figure there's a form or some shit you gotta fill out to declassify a document. I don't think you get to just be like, oh, declassified now, presidential privilege or whatever. I don't think you get to do that. I'm not an expert though. If any, maybe somebody around here is a constitutional lawyer, some kind of legal expert, they could let me know. Um, you know comment under the podcast or whatever leave me a one-star review um here is a, a video montage of uh steve bannon clearly not using the phone system that uh kyle shank uh that we met through the majority report actually uh installed for us his shit just doesn't work we really got to keep the trains running on time today and i've got nothing but hitters on this show boris we got you to try it again Okay, not not working. Do we have the tweets uh, from Josh Hawley? Yes. Okay, can we go ahead and put it up? God, don't need to be so snippy. Tell you what, we lost Boris. We're going to have to reboot. Let's reboot Boris. We'll go to break. 
Okay, hang on. Can we reboot? That's not working. Let's go ahead and drop it, and we'll try to reboot it later. So we're going to have to reboot you. Can we reboot this? We're going to reboot. Try to reboot that. Reboot. Yeah. Let's de reboot. Reboot you. Can we reboot that? Let's go ahead and reboot. Let's try to reboot her. Let's try to reboot Ben. Uh, if we can just try to reboot him. After screaming at in my staff, Chris Kobach. <laughs> Okay, do we have, do we have, is Kovac on mute? Chris? Great job. Yeah, we just lost Bernie. Yeah. Bye. Uh, we might have lost Kelly. Yeah. Do I have Julie Kelly? Oh. I think we lost it again. Okay, we don't have her. Go to mypillow.com. Okay, let's just go to break. We'll get this thing fixed up. Okay, I yeah, apologize for all the I, I apologize for all those screw ups. Producer, do I have anybody anybody up at all? I want to keep the show going. Just tell me who we got. Okay, fine. Do we have the clips ready? Okay, I don't have time to hold on. Let's bring in Terry Schilling. Okay, if you don't have them, what you told me you did, you have them. You have them. You sure? You sure you have them? Okay, I'll be nice. Can't juggle, man. Cameron, magic Cameron. Ooh, doggy. I do all this by myself. <laughs> bringing guests by myself. None tonight, but I bring in guests by myself. I do it all by myself. And my shit just works. I just do it all on one fast-ass computer, and it just works. I don't know what this guy's trying to do over there, but it ain't working. They need to redo their system. They probably need to install Linux. Um, I'm not available for contract work for people like Steve Bannon. Although, if I started like an LLC or whatever, I could, um, in fact, do it without you knowing and charge him an exorbitant amount of money to show somebody over there how to use Video Ninja. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not dishonest. So, uh, Trump, uh, 2024, uh, already stopping atrocities all over the world. Russia's stuck in the embarrassment of a Ukraine quagmire. They could have taken Ukraine inside of three weeks, but didn't. They're holding back. Why? China's too scared to invade Taiwan. They're holding back. Why? The FBI should have been able to devour Mar-a-Lago and Trump once and for all. The FBI has never launched a full-scale raid without an arrest. Two weeks out, they've got... It was just a search warrant, lady. They're holding back. Why? The reason Russia, China, and the Democrats DOJ are all holding back. I like how their overlay is really good, where they bring up an image of Trump and like, you can't even really see his face because they have this, I don't know, time to sue every FBI looter at Mar-a-Lago. Because they don't know what Trump is going to do with them in 2025. The greatest advantage the entire world has against evil actors right now is that Donald Trump remains more powerful as a sitting candidate for president than anyone in four generations. The threat of Trump's return is doing more right now to restore the balance of power on the national and international stage than anything the insulting high heel limping men in dresses in oh, come on. could possibly do. While Biden went hat in hand, begging the Saudis for oil. I mean, I don't know if it was like that, but yeah, you got to buy oil from somebody, I guess. And it, like how she had to just put that transphobic shit like right there. <clears throat> it had nothing to do with what she was talking about. She just knows that plays really well with her audience. So she had to put it there. She had no choice. 
She's on OAN. She has to always do the crazy. So up next, we got uh, <laughs> Trump being interviewed, actually, on, um, I don't know, Body by Somebody. And uh, he's going to claim that the FBI was actually looking for Hillary's emails at Mar-a-Lago. But I think they were looking for Hillary Clinton emails. I really think, I think they thought, and who knows, you know, boxes full of stuff. I think they thought. You've got the goods. Hillary Clinton, it was mm-hmm. something to do with the Russia, Russia, Russia hub. Right on. They were, they like, were. Look, she doesn't even believe him. Look, look at her body language. She's like, whatever, dude. There, part of their scam material, because that's what they are, the scammers. Agreed. And they were thinking things were in there having to do with, can you imagine Hillary? Like, I think her body language said to me that she's not buying it. <clears throat> I don't, I don't think she's, I think she was like, what dude? She wasn't going to say anything. I don't think, but I don't think, I don't think she was, I don't think she was convinced by, uh, by that man. So there's a bunch of clips in this next one. We're probably not going to do more than a couple of them, but this Trump, I guess, gave a speech today, uh, yesterday actually. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, it was something. You remember in the campaign, I used to say, if these people get in, we're going to end up with Venezuela on steroids. I said it many, many times. I never thought it was much of a possibility, but I never knew people could cheat like that. Not like that. Last week, weirdo, he's a weirdo, Mark Zuckerberg came to the White House, kissed my ass. Wait, what? Kissed my ass. Sir, I'd love to have dinner. What? Why are the people in the crowd cheering? What he said is like, he, what, what the fuck? Sir, I'd love to have dinner. I'd love to bring my lovely wife. All Ivanka? Right, Mark, come on in. Sir, you're number one on Facebook. I'd like to congratulate you. Oh, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it. We're all- what the fuck? Last week, Mark Zuckerberg didn't go to the White House. And if he did, Donald Trump wasn't there. I think he's trying to claim that maybe Mark Zuckerberg came to dinner at Mar-a-Lago, but I think if that happened, everybody would have known about it too. And I mean, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, but he's no dumb fuck. I mean, he's a dumb fuck in some ways, actually, but he's not dumb enough to go to dinner at Mar-a-Lago after that search happened. No fucking way. There's no fucking way that any like head of any of the, any large company in the United States is going to go to Mar-a-Lago after that search warrant was searched, uh, was, uh, conducted they're just not going to do it here, here here's him talking about uh 2020 uh republicans should be ashamed of themselves i believe so too but you know just for an entirely different reason according to pollsters it made a 10 to 20 point difference not even including all of the other totally determinative evidence of illegality that was found having to do with the 2020 presidential election scam, including ballot stuffing and not adhering to the laws, rules, and regulations of state legislatures, which is totally illegal. They just did whatever they wanted to do. And frankly, Republicans locally that ran things in a lot of states should be ashamed of themselves should be ashamed of himself. And a guy like Mitch McConnell, who allowed this stuff to happen, should be scorned. He should be scorned. 
The 2020 election was rigged and stolen, and now our country is being destroyed by people who got into office through cheating and through fraud. Now watch. The cameras will all turn off as soon as I say that because they're not allowed to put that on. The cameras... They're allowed to put you saying that on, actually. They'll all turn off. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. You know why? But Republican leadership just doesn't fight because in many cases, they are intimidated and they're afraid. They're actually afraid. Republicans must get tougher and stronger and fast. That was crazy, too. We're going to do one more. Here's a, an anti-electric car rant that he did. Oh, when I was in office, gas was $1.87. Where? But that was the lowest point when you were in office. What was the, what was the highest point that gas was when you were in office? And we weren't talking about going to all electric cars, which are twice as expensive. I mean, the problem is a friend of mine wanted to do something for the environment. He went out and bought a electric car. And he made a certain trip. I won't say from where, Kentucky. I won't say from where. And he's a good person. He wants to do what's well. Now he understands, <laughs> not so good. And he bought an electric car and he made the trip often from Kentucky to Washington and he made it and he'd drive down and put the car away and drive back. He was getting like 38 miles a gallon and it was fine. And then he Wait, goes to hybrids and all the other things that what? he can do. But he wanted to go all electric because he wants to save our country, he wants to save the atmosphere. And he called me, he said, I'm exhausted, why? He said, this damn trip took me forever. I'd drive for two hours and then I'd have to have my car charged. And in two cases, I couldn't find a place to charge it. But even if I could, it took me more time to charge the damn car than I could spend in it driving. He said but, what, what, but he was getting 38 miles to the gallon. Me two and a half times. <clears throat> please, please, let's get rid of this stuff. Okay, so first of all, if you're going to drive like a long road trip and you have an electric car, you do have to do some planning. Uh, if you'd only drove for two hours <coughs> and the car ran out of charge, either his foot was in it, like like just in it, like he was just, he, had his, he was just accelerating and accelerating, or he got like a, like a small car that is designed for like being in a city, like that Nissan Leaf doesn't have a huge range because it's designed to be driven around the city. So it just sounds like his friend's an idiot. Which is one possibility. The other possibility is that that's just some shit that never happened. He made it up. And uh, he made it up. That's it. Um, here's another ghoul trying to uh, somehow um, salvage their reputation. This is Ann Coulter. Um, she has a podcast called Trump's Done. And uh, here's what she has to say influencing i should say influencing certain conservative outlets on tv and radio is everybody they hear from is one of the you know die hard the few dwindling remaining trump fanatics but after the election and then after january 6th no normal people i'm not a normal person i'm a political nut and i stopped paying attention to politics it's just a drag it's <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you stopped paying attention to politics because you're a fucking ghoul. And we got Trump is a psyop, actually. They've, uh, Trump's not real, and uh, this was all just a trick. It was played on dumb people. The, the, maybe Donald Trump was right and the government's wrong. Could that be possible? Uh, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. No, I think what happened in the first segment is that I proved that this Mar-a-Lago raid is just another smoke and mirrors of Donald Trump being used to distract people from what's really going on. And the fact is, is that Donald Trump is not who he says he is. He's controlled opposition. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And frankly, he's wow. a coward. Whoa, he's he's controlled opposition that sounds like the fucking chemtrails people all arguing with each other and shit you're a psyop that person's controlled opposition that person works for the government and they're trying to uh trying to discredit our movement or whatever that's like just fucking boilerplate conspiracy theorist infighting we've been the flat earthers all did it they all hate each other the fucking consp- the chemtrail people all hate each other i don't know the people who are freaking about out about jade helm in 2015 all probably thought each other were government agents like and this is what happens in a in a movement when your movement is based on paranoia, fear, and hate. Is that y'all end up hating each other? I think that's like one of the better things about the chemtrails and other conspiracy movements is that the people all end up hating each other, and so they're able to do less damage. So that's pretty much the end of the Trump segment tonight. Um, I'm sure everybody's glad about that. Um, here's Kellyanne Conway. And um, she's right. I feel like some people have made some character assessments. Here's what she has to say. This is a pattern. Barack Obama, 14 years ago, people are clinging to their guns, their God, their religion. Hillary Clinton, the deplorables, and even worse, irredeemable. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, well, he was still governor, saying if you're pro-life, you shouldn't be in New York. Kathy Hochul, his successor, just as bad a governor, really, she said this weekend... If you're a Republican, you don't belong in New York. Go to Florida. Why are you castigating and denigrating our fellow uh, our fellow brothers and sisters? And I just want your viewers to know, folks, they think they're better than you. It's very simple. It's everything you said about climate and abortion. It's everything Kaylee said, of course. But it's also, they actually look down upon you. They don't think that you're like them. They don't want their kids to go to school with yours. They don't want you to live in their neighborhoods. They don't want you to work in their industries. They think they're better than you. And in the end, Sean, they they don't realize that their obsession with getting one man with Donald Trump means they've never taken one second to get to know the 74 million Trump voters. They don't know a thing about them. I mean, it would take longer than a second to get to know 74 million people. It would take more than a second to get to know anybody. But this is one of the things we talk about on the big shit, the big show. Uh, We call this the big show because it's the big news show of the week, but the big show, the one that gets all the downloads, uh, the intellectual Dollar Tree is that a lot of people get real mad when when folks start observing patterns of behavior and then making character assessments. They get hella mad at that. All them logic boys and IDW people and fucking new atheists and YouTube skeptics and shit. Everything's on the table except character assessments. And it's a pretty good strategy and uh, the right-wing ghoulosphere is uh, picking up on it. I don't think it's an honest strategy. I just mean effective when I say good. Speaking of character assessments, I've made a few character assessments about the person who is running against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I want to give a shout out to Varigo Kennedy 
uh, one of our one of our favorite uh, like researchers, I guess, uh, researchers of uh, extremism on Twitter. Um, well, she put me on to this lady. Her name's Tina Forte, and uh, this is your this is what it is started and where i am right now facing off with aoc i'm the real bronx girl i'm the real girl that was <laughs> born and raised in the bronx i'm the real girl that's gonna take her on because i'm a fiery broad and i will call her out everything that she is yeah and, and tina you know i guess our question is uh, uh i think many people's questions how yes, i have some questions to beat AOC. I think many people um, would like to hear what you have in mind um, because you clearly have very, very different points of view. Yes. Well, I'm going to beat her. She won by grassroots and I'm going to beat her by those same grassroots because people in the district have had enough. I petitioned there twice. I've spoken to plenty of people in the district. I was born there, raised there. My family's there. I have my businesses here. I know this district and I know that the crime is out of control. Look at our schools. Look at our streets. Look at our. If you're concerned with local issues, maybe you should have started by running for city council, Tina, because those are city council or maybe they maybe the county board of supervisors that kind of thing that would be how you would address these local issues uh just real quick tina you would be if you were to beat aoc which i think you will lose three or four to one but if you were to beat aoc you'd be setting federal policy you wouldn't actually be setting policy for the bronx i mean the federal policy applies to the bronx but you'd be setting policy for the country you see tina she does nothing but hang out with her elites, with her Marxist friends, she caters to them and she forgets about this district. And that's what's gonna win the seat in November is because we are the forgotten district because of AOC. Because we all know that she has a soft spot for Castro, for Maduro, all the communists and all the globalists around the country. She has a soft spot for all of them. Yeah, this is going to play real good in the Bronx. Keep talking, Tina. People in the Bronx are going to be like, oh, you're against the globalists? <laughs> that is what's going to wake everybody up, and they're going to vote for me because I've spoken to so many people that are Democrats, and they want to support me, and they are going to support me, and they told me that they are going to vote for me. They are tired of it. Just look at our streets. She supported the very bail reform that has the criminals out on the streets. Tina, do you think uh, that we can look forward to a debate between the two of you? I'll say right now, yes, I want to debate you, AOC. Bring it on. If you're polling at like 65 or 70 percent, which I'm pretty sure AOC is, why would you debate Tina? Also, the bail reform, she supported it, but that's not her job. The bail reform, I believe, was New York State. So maybe she could run for the state assembly. I don't know if they have a state senate there. She could run for governor run for the mayor in new york she wants to solve all these local problems but no this is a grift she knows she's not going to win she's just grifting 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 and it's not a bad grift if you can get it here she is on the roger stone show on mike lindell's network very high energy because roger you know me i'm going to take it right to aoc take it right to her i called her out to debate me already Debate me. I said, come on, AOC. AOC, the C stands for chicken. Let's go. I'm the real Bronx girl. I'm going to have it out with her. I want to be face to face with her and I want to talk to her about 
what she's not doing and what she is doing, which is pushing her radical left agenda since the minute she used District 14. So you don't actually at like a like a candidate's debate, you don't end up face to face with the other person. There's usually a like part of the stage that belongs to you and a part of the stage that belongs to them. And you give each other physical space so that everybody can speak. I think she wants to fight AOC. Which I don't think is good. I don't think she should be fighting AOC. Uh, after the election, though, wouldn't it be funny if she sees AOC walking down the street and just shoves her? <laughs> That's a callback to something we don't cover anymore around here. Oh, man. So here's the person who beat Liz Cheney in the Republican uh, primary for her House seat. I'm going to focus solely on what this person's saying. If anybody else wants to focus on anything else, feel free. I think that what happened was with the raid, uh, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, I think what people realized is how really dramatically some of our institutions have gone by the wayside, how they are, they're doing the wrong things. And I think that that, that raid was a wake-up call, maybe to perhaps some independents who were sitting on the fence who realized that we have a very thin line here between tyranny and freedom. And we've got to step up and we've got to push back and fight against this. So the Trump endorsement was absolutely fantastic for me. It obviously was very important in Wyoming. But the other thing that I think President Trump has done is he's also recruited very good candidates. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if this lady's crazy enough for that district to flip. But if you take a look into, into this, this lady, her name is Harriet ha ha Hagman. Hageman. She's fucking out there and there's some chance that district will flip to democrat and that district has been a pretty safe republican district for quite some time because she's just just the, the crazy eyes and the fucking clown makeup aside right like that lady she just check her out look into her look at what she thinks she's gonna do look at what she's uh what she believes the good policy would be take a look here's uh rudy giuliani He's going to talk about uh, unifying the Republican Party. And after that, if it loads, we'll get him talking about police reform. And a couple of the real fighters, like like uh, Jordan, right? I mean, he's there right in the center, just like you and I would be. He's got the best instincts, I think, of, of all of them. But we're diffuse. And in a war, I mean, that's like they're attacking our main line and we're saying, oh, maybe they're not really. Let's go around over here. Yes. Let's go over here. Yes. Let's go over here. I, I'd rather yes. go here. We've got to yes. unite this party. And that's yes. why Trump being the voice is so important. And that's why they want him out. Trump gives the minute Trump says something, they might have might as well not have said anything. He becomes the voice for our movement. If if he if he says uh, this guy is putting out phony information, everybody forgets their little friends and they go right to Trump and they say, Okay, what's the phony information? And that's why they are so afraid of Trump. He is, without any doubt, the most charismatic yeah. American politician ever. Um, I don't know about that. JFK seemed pretty charismatic, by all accounts. And here's Rudy Giuliani talking about police reform. Um, it's, you know, exactly what you would think from a former law and order mayor of a big city. Well, you no, can't what, use your gun. You can't touch anybody. Right. You know, one of the reasons the cops are having a hard time, people think, oh, they're not strong. They're not, they're not allowed to touch you between here and here. They can't punch you. I had an uncle who was the most decorated 
police officer, except maybe for Bernie Carrick, two, three people down from the top of the Brooklyn Bridge, right. has two Navy awards, great hero. My uncle had a knockout punch. All he had to do was blow it past. Yeah, you fell down. Right. <laughs> he, he was 6'4", but you could be 6'4", not have a knockout punch. Right. This guy had, my father was a boxer. My father taught him how to box. And this guy could put you down with one punch. Nowadays. It's not the police's job. When he, think of the people he didn't have to shoot because of that. Right. <laughs> he didn't shoot anybody. He just whooped that ass. That's not good either, Rudy. I mean, I guess it's like a little bit of harm reduction, but I bet the guy also liked to shoot people. Or Rudy's telling you a tall tale, which is also possible. The guy tells a few tales, you know, caught a few fish in his day. Here's um, Dennis Prager on the fucking Mike Huckabee show with the perfect response to is America racist. I want you to ask, because I do this all the time, so raise your hand if you, if you don't have a leftist in your extended family. No hands go up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I said, ask them totally uh, honorably, uh, just ask them this. Do you think America is systemically racist? They'll say yes, otherwise they're not a leftist. And, and then say, so I'm curious, how do you explain... Three million blacks moving to America from Africa and the Caribbean in the last few decades. So now they may deny it, but you could say, look it up. It's, and you give them a New York Times source, uh, which to them is like giving a, a Christian or a Jew a biblical source. <laughs> Wait, what? And, and, and so just say it's, 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 it's there. How do you explain? So either all of those three million blacks are stupid or it's not true. One, there are only two possibilities. As I say, did any Jews move to Germany in the 1930s? Yes. Not one. As bad as it was for Jews in Eastern Europe, not one moved to Germany because Germany really was systemically racist. Yeah. But America is the land of opportunity for black Africans and black Caribbeans. That's the point. It is the land of opportunity for every race. Absolutely. So... The answer that a leftist talking to one of Dennis Prager's listeners could give is, well, people move here because there's economic opportunity here. It does not mean that they are unaware of the discrimination that they might face here as a black person. They've just kind of weighed their options and decided, all things considered, they'll take their chances here with the discrimination because of the economic opportunity they, they perceive to be part of America. There, that's the answer. It's not that complicated. But it does involve like thinking about two or three things at once. And I know that's like not really the best. <clears throat> so I've been kind of waiting for this clip all night. I mean, I could have put it first, but I didn't put it first. This is Ben Shapiro. This is Lesbians on the Moon. The equity agenda, by the way, was promised. I mean, Joe Biden promised that this is going to infuse every area of his administration down to the stupidest parts of it. So this week, Artemis One, right, which is supposed to be setting the stage for the for the attempt to reach the moon again, the Artemis One launch was canceled again, right, scrubbed after an engine issue. Okay, according to CNN, the launch like that sounds good. Sounds like the quality control is happening. NASA's historic Artemis One moon mission has been postponed after the team was unable to work through an issue with one of the rocket's four engines. Okay, but. The really important thing is that when we do go to the moon, we have a lesbian on the moon. Lesbians on the moon. 
Wait, what? This is what we need. The moon. We have a lesbian on the moon. Lesbians on the moon. <laughs> this is what we need. It sounds the important thing is that when we do go to the moon, we have a lesbian on the moon. Lesbians on the moon. <laughs> That's pretty this funny. This is what we need. It's like bad pornography. Anyway, here is Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, explaining that the key to space exploration is that we send up a diverse group of people to space. I don't know why that's the key to space exploration. I thought it would be, you know, the most qualified people that we ought to send to space. We shouldn't actually, again, it's like they are just casting a movie. They're just casting a movie in their own minds. So if we put together a group of the most qualified people, is, is he suggesting, without suggesting it, that they might not be diverse? That if we picked the most qualified people in every field, that it would they would all look the same. They would all be part of the same identity group. Because I mean, he didn't say that. But if you were to kind of go down the road, he sort of pointed you down. That's where the road leads. So here we got we got two clips of Mister Oz uh, running for office. He is just doing a very bad job. Pennsylvania is like a 50-50 toss-up in a lot of ways. Not with Mr. Oz as the candidate. The seat is not a 50-50 toss-up. John Fetterman can just sit on his ass and not do anything and dunk on uh, Mr. Oz on Twitter and win. And that's what he's doing. And uh, here's why. Hey, I've got a huge announcement. Oh, shit, there's an ad? Where the fuck did I get an ad? Whatever, whatever this product is, don't buy it. We got an ad and now the video's not going to play. Let's try this again. This is riveting radio. Tell me a little bit about... <laughs> so awful. Dude, what are you doing? Why are you... Why are you going to front that guy off for having high blood pressure in front of all those people? Abortion. Yes. You know. Well, that's his answer. He said yes. You asked, you asked abortion. He said yes. Abortion. Yes. You know. <laughs> well, well, you know, is there a limit to it? Or is there a, you know, a time when women should be allowed to get an abortion or is it, should we ban it altogether? So, so as you all probably know, I'm pro-life, but I have three exceptions, and I spoke about them a lot in the primary. I'm a doctor. I appreciate the realities of taking care of people who are struggling. Don't get nervous. I mean, I'd be nervous if I was, like, supporting this guy right now. Wouldn't you be nervous? You're like, uh-oh, this is, this is the candidate? So, um, so I, I think the life of the mother, rape, incest, these are problems that I think families should have the ability to deal with, and it's hard to expect the government to deal with that. The guy said abortion, and his first answer was like, yes. I don't think Dr. Oz is pro-life. He's like going around trying to remind everybody that he was once a medical doctor by giving everybody the fucking, uh, like, test it, testing the, the, the blood pressure of the people in the audience. Good job, dude. Here's the next one. On November the 8th, when they walk into the ballot box, your friends are going to have to make one decision on one question. Here's that question. Are you happy with the way this country is headed? No. no. If the answer is yes, take their driver's license the way they shouldn't be driving. <laughs> if the answer is, as you stated, no, which 70% of Americans agree with, 
then they should vote for the candidate for change. But when you ask if the country's going in the right direction, 70% of people say no, but they don't all, they don't all agree on why, how, what needs to change. There's probably three or four large factions of people inside that group of 70% of Americans who think the country's on the wrong path. I wouldn't be able to tell you what the factions are right now. I haven't thought about it too much, but I would imagine there are at least three factions, probably like four. And so they, people use this as like a, as like a way to not really talk about policy and not talk about what's wrong or what they're going to do to fix it. There's like something's wrong and I'm not currently in the government. So vote for me, but how the fuck do you, how the fuck am I supposed to know? You're not going to make it worse. I think Dr. Oz will, I'm sorry, Mr. Oz will make it worse. So here's another clip from the Glenn Beck podcast. I did not know that douche Bigelow, male gigolo, had a career, but apparently he's uh, given up his career or something. I don't know. Are you willing to lose it all for what you believe? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if we don't have it, then we have nothing. Mm-hmm. I want to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care about my career anymore. Mm-hmm. I care about my children's. Your agent doesn't either. That they're going to live in. And my hope is this. My hope is a beautiful story from a, from a, um, from a chaplain in England, when the American flyers came over in the early days of World War II, when the American flyers came over after, this is like the dog days, 1942, late 42, when like their friends were getting blown out of the sky. They would go over on the bombers and half would come back, two thirds would come back, you know, but they were dying. And there was one particularly awful um, week two weeks where there was a, a very high percentage of these pilots were getting blown out of the sky and getting killed. And, um, they went to the, um, prison. They went to the, to the, uh, Oh my God, this feels like forever. The pilot said, why? I said, our friends are dying. Why should we do this? Why should we get up tomorrow and fly? They did this at like literally four They're supposed to leave five thirty. Why should we do this? Tell us why. They didn't say they weren't going to do it. So tell us why we should do this. Our friends are dying. Tell us. And the chaplain was really, you know, woke up and said, um, well, humanity has come, out of, has come out of the dark ages. We've come out of where people get burned at the stake. People believe and, and go along with this. And there's a darkness that we have come out of and doing a more of an enlightened period a more freer period. And he said, this is a step back into those darkness. These are the darkest parts mm-hmm. of humanity. And we need to stand up for that now. And that requires this. So they all flew. We are uh, there again. Yeah, and it requires a new set of flyers guys having a hard time acting thoughtful like what the fuck was that that was stupid like why is glenn beck i mean whatever glenn beck nobody knows why glenn beck does what he does but douche bigelow male gigolo is never going to have uh, a career again not just because of his anti-vax bullshit it's just like he wasn't like really he wasn't like really like a name and like uh wasn't like really a big deal before I don't, I don't I'll take his paychecks on his residuals and shit. Don't, don't get it twisted. Like his income is probably significantly higher than mine, even though he hasn't acted in a long time. <clears throat> probably didn't do that Glenn Beck hit for free either. You know, 
And so it's really easy for a guy like him to be like, I'm giving it all up because he ain't got no career. He's got the money. He's got residuals. I'm sure people are still watching old movies he was in and he's getting checks. He's doing fine. He probably owns his house outright, got a couple cars. Hopefully he's not married. Hopefully he doesn't have kids. But he's not really giving up much of anything if he doesn't take another acting gig as long as he lives. He's probably going to be able to live an upper, upper middle class life for the rest of his life off of what he got now. So it's not like he's really, he's really making a sacrifice. He's not going to be out there all alms for the poor, alms for the poor, I don't think. So, (laughs) apparently somebody sold a fucking voting machine on eBay for $1,200. And I just, Mike Pillow's got to be all over this. But here's a, here's a hit from CNN on it. Harry, what's in the box? Uh, that is uh, a device which can be configured either to be a voting machine, uh, as a diary, or ballot marking device. This box should not be here on Harry Hursty's kitchen table in Connecticut. Yeah, I have been asked not to open it so that if it's a, a part of criminal investigation, it's preserved as evidence. Hursty is an elections expert. He bought this voting machine for $1,200 on eBay. As far as I was aware, it was a completely legal sale on my end. The eBay seller is Ian Hudson, an Uber driver in Ohio. In your eBay ad, you wrote Dominion ImageCast X voting machine from Michigan own a piece of history. This voting machine was one of thousands used in the 2020 U.S. presidential election. But how did an Uber driver in Ohio get his hands on a Michigan voting machine? He bought it from Goodwill Online. I saw a listing for what looked like just <laughs> this an better and better touchscreen computer. And I got to looking through the pictures. And in one of the pictures I saw in the bottom corner of the screen, it said Dominion Voting. So I just on a whim bid on it and I was the only bidder and I won the auction. So how much did you pay for the voting machine? I paid $7.99. I'm really- Damn, he came up. I mean, $8. <laughs> he made a good profit. It turns out someone dropped the voting machine off at this Goodwill in Northern Michigan. Mike Lindell. Who that person is remains a mystery, but the Goodwill put the voting machine for sale up on its website. I wasn't even aware that they were supposed to be sold, let alone donated to Goodwill. It is shocking that uh, only when we started asking, does it belong somewhere? Only after that they realized it has been stolen. They being the Michigan Secretary of State's office. One of Michigan's voting machines showed up on eBay. Yeah, we immediately referred it to law enforcement. Clearly it's raised some issues about the chain of custody and how these machines are secured. We basically have 1,600 jurisdictions. Typically in between elections, clerks have the responsibility of securing all election equipment uh, and protecting it from attempts, illegal attempts to access it by unauthorized individuals. Michigan is one of several swing states where authorities are already investigating unauthorized access to voting systems by people who are trying to prove the false claim the 2020 election was stolen. There is a nationally coordinated effort to try to interfere with our elections that's manifesting itself at the local level in incidents like these in Michigan. What you really have is individuals who don't seem to understand the technicalities of the elections process or election security, trying to gain access to machines to keep the misinformation alive. What do you say to the voter who is skeptical, is watching this and saying, 
they lost the voting machine in Michigan. Well, a couple of things. One, uh, Michigan's elections are secure. Before every election, we test every machine for accuracy. We've never seen, even with this unauthorized access to machines, any actual evidence mm. of any challenges or wrongdoing or lack of security in the process. Police now trying to figure out how that voting machine ended up here uh, at this Goodwill in Cadillac, Michigan. And look, Goodwill telling us they process thousands of items uh, every week here uh, in northern Michigan. And it's not clear that Goodwill even realized that this actually was a voting machine when they posted it on its website. I mean, to the untrained eye, uh, this kind of just looks like a big uh, computer screen. Of course, lots of security concerns here, but Poppy, uh, you'll never know uh, just what you'll find at a, at a Goodwill or on eBay. Tony, once again, your reporting has my jaw uh, on the floor. Thank you very much for that. I think this just simply ended up in an e-waste pile. I think <clears throat> that's all that happened. Somebody, it just ended up in an e-waste pile. And it got, I don't know, I don't know if somebody working with the, the county or whatever dropped it off at Goodwill or if they have an e-waste company that picks up stuff. Sometimes they drop things off at Goodwill. But I... This has to have just been incompetence. There's it's possible there was more to it, but I, I'm going to guess incompetence. And it just ended up in an e-waste pile. Not for nothing. There's nothing on that machine. There's nothing on it. You can't really, there's nothing useful to anyone on that machine, I don't think. <clears throat> anyway, this will be our last story before we go on into the uh I guess it's not even rather lights have been read the whole night tonight until we go on into the post game. Um, there's an angry Texas mom. She wants uh, the schools to s not teach about Gandhi because that's fucking CRT. Texas, you refer to our flag, blue bonnets, and mockingbirds as significant symbols to a Texas community. No, these are emblems of identity and instill a sense of pride and connection with our home. What this version of Teeks offers to me looks a lot like socialism, like collectivism with no individualism. Let's build and teach first graders to build a foundation with solids and not adult concepts like the importance of collaborating with people of various cultures. How can a kid show respect for other cultures if he doesn't know his own? This revision seems to want to teach a first grader. Can I pause you for just a second? Okay. Uh, this revision wants to teach a first grader who's still putting notes to the tooth fairy under her pillow about following Gandhi's lead to a peaceful protest. A first grader. CRT is already rampant and baked into our curriculum, and we don't want to be good little global citizens where our border is considered a military zone. I don't know what grade that was added into, but why? It's a border and it's good. Teach that. <laughs> this is the land of the free, home of the brave. Be brave. Reject these teaks. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. So we've had testifiers come before you that actually could point to specific teaks, point to specific language in the, in, um, the rural text that, that they're addressing. I would ask the people that come and testify, if you're going to refer to TEKS, be specific about what you're talking about so that we understand that you actually have a, a legitimate concern or it's not something you're just hearing and reading and repeating. So you asked about- uh, That's borders, just something probably that uh, they're hearing and repeating are good. I think that, um, I guess I want to understand if, what, what, of, what of the history um, on how borders were created do you know about? What did you learn when you were in school? 
I'm not an expert. I, I don't know. I don't appreciate your um, belittling. I didn't hear with a PhD. I didn't not come up here as an educator or somebody on one of these work groups. I'm coming up here as a parent when my kids come home and they say, look what we did today in history class. And they say something like, which one of the Bill of Rights would you give up first? I'm sorry, that's leading the witness. No, I cannot find in the teaks and the 300 pages. And these parents are confused and we don't know. So I'm sorry, I'm up here testifying that's because understood. we don't understand. Understood. But, then, but I know the then, result. Well, but this is, this is where I'm asking, and this is a genuine ask. If you're going to be concerned about something and you're going to bring up those concerns rather than speaking um, in absolutes, Perhaps come and ask us questions about how this was developed or where it can be found because we can help you with that and we can help clarify and I'm not belittling I'm just telling you we have testifiers who've come and put a lot of hard work in researching their their testimony and coming with us to with solutions and and questions when they don't understand something and you just told our chair that you'd read it somewhere or you heard it you don't know and that that is not a belittling, I'm just acknowledging what you have yourself said on the dais. And so my point in asking you the question about borders is there, that is a, a clear example of why we need the standards the way that they have been written because they're, they're, this country did not always have borders. This country, we're sitting on stolen land. And so those are things that we have to understand. Members, uh, uh, I'm sorry. So, well, that Your turn isn't or something. My turn? Because, okay. That isn't something that's in the standards. But what is in the standards is understanding our indigenous roots and understanding how uh, indigenous communities have been impacted. And those sorts of pieces of our history are very important. And so, again, I ask what do you remember about learning about indigenous histories? I don't remember very much about indigenous histories, but to go back to the first long diatribe that you delivered, um, we parents quit our jobs. We, we left our careers and we've gone to school board meeting after school board meeting and we have spent hours and thousands of them ourselves trying to ask questions, as you suggested, begging for information. Where does this come from? What is the curriculum? Give us transparency. I'm here because the school boards won't answer. I'm here because our representatives on the state board don't answer emails. We need help. It's not going in a good direction. I'm sorry I can't answer your question about what I learned about indigenous communities in the border. I know our border is open right now and thousands are flooding over. <laughs> oh, it's such a, like, she talked to the wrong school board lady because the school board lady was like, well, you heard this stuff? What do you know about these subject matters? Why are you... Like the question essentially is like, why are you here questioning the curriculum when you don't know anything about the subject matter? And that's a fucking valid question. It's not nice. It's a little condescending. But if, in case you haven't been around much, I'm a big fan of condescension when it's appropriate. Even sometimes when it's inappropriate, because sometimes it's just funny to be condescending. And that lady, the school board, uh, the person on the school board was not extremely condescending. They just weren't. They should have been more condescending. I think it would have been fun. So that's the pod, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for hanging out late with me this evening. Uh, like I said earlier, if you're a podcast listener, you want to check out the live shows. The schedule's a little different this week.
Um, so check our uh, Twitch page for the schedule and you'll see things have been pushed back a little bit because it is going to be over 100 degrees almost every day this week. And so we have to push things back so that I can, in fact, do a show. <clears throat> Support this project at patreon.com slash echoplex. You can get some swag at our swag shop at eplex.store. Use code NOW-SPACE, all capital letters. You get a little discount. And um, that's been our show for this week. I think we're going to call it There Are No Lesbians on the Moon or some shit like that. As always, this is Boomers by Periscope. And uh, I'll be back with a slightly different kind of drink than I have right now.
Hey everybody, we got a brand new swag shop. It's powered by Fourth Wall and it's really great. It's at eplex.store. That's E-P-L-E-X.store. Hopefully you find something there you like. I'm partial to the one with Jordan Peterson and Jesus.